This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you'll hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, guest host Eric Stackelbeck talks with rabbis Jonathan Kahn and Jonathan Burness. They discuss the significance of the Jewish feast and unpack biblical prophecies linking current events like the COVID-19 pandemic to end times. Welcome to Praise from New York City. I'm Eric Stackelbeck, host of The Watchman Show right here on TBN. And today we are talking about a fascinating subject, the Holy Days of Israel. You may think of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles as being only for the Jewish people, but they also have deep meaning for Christians, for every follower of Jesus. And today you will find out why. We're joined by Jonathan Kahn and Jonathan Burnus to talk about the Holy Days of Israel. Where is Jesus in these feasts? Jonathan Burnus in Arizona, welcome. It is great to have you with us. And Jonathan Kahn here in New York City. Great to be here. Yeah, and we've, <laughs> hey, we have great the two you. perfect messengers. Yes, Jonathan, great to be with you as well. Hey, we have the two perfect messengers uh, to share all about the holy days of Israel. For such a time as this, as the fall feasts are almost upon us, gentlemen. Jonathan Kahn here in New York City. Yeah, uh, my first time since, yeah. since, since all this happened. Me too. It's yeah. been a while. It's and, great to see you and again. I, and I'm right across the, the river, but it's my first time crossing the river. That's right. Great to see you. That's right. Hey, the holy days of Israel. Um, a lot of times Gentiles yep. say, well, they're, they're God-ordained. They're for the Jewish people. But for me, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, not much meaning for me. Yeah. Jonathan, why yeah. are the holy days of Israel important for all believers, Jew or Gentile? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because first of all, it was God, the God of the Bible, the God of your salvation, who came up with them. So there got to be something. I mean, unlike any other holiday, he came up with them. So they're filled with meaning. And they're all pointing to Messiah. You know, the, the Bible says these are shadows of him. And on top of that, they're also, they have the mystery of the age. God has set up the entire age according to the Hebrew year. So beginning with Passover and ending with Tabernacles. So, so it, it has the mystery of all these things. And, you know, you love Messiah, you love Jesus. You should, well, he celebrated them. So did everybody in the Bible, virtually. So therefore, it's something, it's a wonderful thing. There are a lot of non-Jewish people who are taking part as well. Well, not because they're under law, but because these are so rich and meaningful and prophetic and filled with revelations and mysteries. Yeah, it's so important, Jonathan. It's throughout the Word of God, yeah, yeah. the Holy Days. As you said, Jesus himself celebrated, observed yeah. the Holy Days of Israel. Yeah, and, and, and actually God did all these major events on those days. You know, Passover, yeah. he dies on Passover, you know, sends the Spirit on the, on the day of Shavuot or Pentecost, another Hebrew Holy Day. He's done yeah. everything according to these things. Now, growing up myself as a Gentile follower of Jesus, Jonathan and Jonathan Burnus, uh, I didn't know much about the Holy Days of Israel. I said, well, they're not for me. They're for my Jewish friends, but they're not for me. Jonathan Kahn used the word mystery a moment ago. Yes. Jonathan Burnus out in Arizona. Tell us what you think in terms of the mystery for Gentiles 
uh, of the holy days? Why have they been such a mystery for us over the past 2,000 years? Why don't we know more about the importance of the feasts and the Jewish holy days? Well, the Christian holidays were a mystery for me, and I think that's why the uh, Jewish holidays were such a mystery for Christians. We were all taught that we had our holidays, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Passover, and so on, and Christians had their holidays, uh, Christmas and Lent and Easter, and they were totally unrelated. Two different groups, completely separated, uh, had nothing to do in common, and uh, I didn't discover until I became a believer at age 20 that that couldn't be further from the truth, that in fact, the uh, Feast of Israel, or the Jewish feast that I grew up with, is God's calendar, and it's prophetic. And Jesus, Yeshua, is at the center, as Jonathan said, of every single feast of the Jewish calendar, and they're not just for the Jewish people. They're for the whole world. They are the prophetic picture of God's plan of restoration. So this is a mystery. The good thing is that it's being unlocked now, and God wants his people to understand the riches and the incredible uh, truths and, uh, and the revelation of Jesus at the very center of all of these uh, feasts of the Lord. This is God's calendar. This is God's daytimer. But again, because Judaism and Christianity are perceived by so many Jews and Christians as separate religions that have nothing in common, we, we have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, you both use the word prophetic mm -hmm. in talking about the Jewish holy days. Now, gentlemen, we have, we're on the cusp right now of, I guess you would say the big ones in a sense, mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. fall feasts, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. Uh, Jonathan Khan, what is the overall significance yeah of these fall feasts. Yeah, I, and one thing too, like for many of us growing up Jewish, uh, even, even the Jewish holy days were a mystery to us. You know, we, you know, we heard all these things, we didn't really know the meaning, but now in Messiah, it, the meaning is all there. Um, yeah, one of the things is these autumn days are, are sacred, are special, they're called the high holy days. These are especially, especially sacred. Um, and so, and one of the reasons why a lot of believers don't know about it is because Jesus fulfilled the, the spring holy days at his first coming, the autumn holy days are linked to the second coming. So the themes of the of the autumn, because it's really, you know, people say Rosh Hashanah, that's the beginning of the year. It's really not the beginning of the year. It's really the end of the sacred year. It's the seventh month. It's the sacred Sabbath seventh month when all these things happen. And the thing is, so it's about the ending. It's about the closing. It's about the kingship of God. It's about returning to God, coming before him, the trumpet sound, and we come before him. Um, and so it's all about, it, it's it's the, really the end feast. So it's really, it's about the end, has the mystery of the end times. So it's especially, especially relevant for believers today because we are living in the end times. And so the times of the shofar, the times of, of, of Israel returning, it's return. It's about coming back to God, standing before him. And then at the end, the celebration. So these are so sacred, so prophetic, and really you can, you can look, you can uh, really see the, the meaning and the mystery of the end times 
through the autumn holy days of Israel. Yeah, and you, Jonathan Kahn, uh, the importance of the shofar. Yes. Rosh Hashanah oh, yeah. is the Feast of Trumpets. Yes. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, well, the shofar, something about the shofar. You know, I, I yeah. went to I went to <laughs> in India, and most of them, I did this, there was about there were thousands and thousands of people, they had never seen a Jewish person. And at the beginning, I was led to sound the shofar, and I do, and there's like a, there's a scream, like a, a blood-curling scream through, I mean, tens of thousands of people, like it was a mass deliverance. And I, I, we said, what's going on? And I, I go home, I'm reading the Encyclopedia Judaica, and it says that when the shofar, the tradition is that the shofar blows, the enemies of God have to flee. It was like a mass deliverance. And, and in India, they weren't reading the Encyclopedia Judaica. Yeah. There's something about the shofar. The shofar is about the power of God. It's the sound of the watchman. It's the sound of an advancing army. It's the sound of the coronation of a king. It's the sound of the jubilee. It's the sound of alarm and that something's coming. So this is, this is also, listen, it's the sound of Jericho, that a kingdom's coming and a kingdom's yeah. falling. So when you look at all these things and look at the end times, the end times are about the alarm of God. There's a king who's coming. There's a warning. There's a kingdom that's going to fall and other kingdoms coming and wake up. It's also, listen, it's also the thing that gathered Israel back to, together. We're in the time when Israel's back together. We are living in the time of the shofar. Yeah. I mean, just incredible, even more significance now yeah. in these times we're living in. Uh, Jonathan Burnus, we just talked a bit about Rosh Hashanah, which kind of kicks off the fall feasts several days after Rosh Hashanah. We have Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, tell us a bit about that and why it is so important. Well, this is the holiest day of the calendar uh, since the time of the tabernacle in the wilderness. This was the one day a year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. You know, the temple was divided, the tabernacle, and then later the temple was divided into three areas. The areas for the men to worship, there was a ladies' court or, or the court of the Gentiles behind. But in the temple itself, there was a place for the people of Israel to worship. Then there was a place for the priests to carry out sacrifices. But then the Holy of Holies, which no one could enter because it, 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 it uh, bore the Shekinah glory of God. It encased the Shekinah glory of God. And if anyone went in there, they would be killed except one time a year the high priest would bring the blood of the sacrifice and make atonement for the people of Israel. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the other uh, priest didn't know if he was going to get out alive. This was a huge event. And what a, what a terrible, awesome thing to actually walk into the very presence of God. And he couldn't go alone. He had to bring the blood. And there was a cord that was tied to his... Uh, ankle, uh, just in case he didn't make it out, they would have to pull him out because no one else would go in. And th this is where the idea of, of dovening come from, comes from, where we hear the bell, where we're, you see at the Western Wall, this is the priest, according to the Talmud, continuing to keep the bell shaking so they all know he's alive. He is meeting with God himself, and this is the single holiest day of the year, and we're told that Jesus, when he gave his life for us and died at Calvary, tore this curtain in two that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. It just was, it was torn in two. And he now has become our high priest. He actually did that in the heavenly realms. He brought his blood, his shed blood for a final atonement for sins. But he is our high priest and it directly connects to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. 
Yeah, the blood of the lamb, Jonathan. And we're talking about the significance of the fall feast of the Jewish holy days for Christians, for Gentile followers of Jesus. Uh, where is, where are uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Can we see them in the New Testament? Where, where are they in terms of uh, the times of Jesus? Do we see them in the New Testament? Well, we certainly see them prophetically. As Jonathan said, the first three, the fall, the spring feasts, uh, which is uh, Passover and uh, uh, first fruits, and then ultimately Shavuot or Pentecost are directly connected to the first coming of the Messiah. He dies as our Passover lamb. He's resurrected from the dead on first fruits, not by coincidence, but according to God's calendar, and he is the first fruits of life from the dead. And then the Holy Spirit is poured out in Jerusalem on uh, Shavuot, which, uh, or Pentecost, which is the celebration of the very first wheat harvest. And of course, you have the great harvest of 3,000 souls. Jonathan and I were talking, by the way, just recently about how prophetic this year is from the time that Passover began and for the first time and maybe Maybe since the Exodus, the Jewish people were, were compelled, were required to stay in their homes. They couldn't go out of their homes in the same way that the children of Israel had to stay in their homes in that first Egypt in Israel. So we're expecting some very, very prophetic things on the fall feast as they come up now, uh, come up now with uh, Rosh Hashanah, with uh, Yom Kippur, and then with uh, Sukkot. Uh, it's really a very profound year. Yeah, speaking of which, Jonathan mm -hmm. Kahn, mm -hmm. now you had a very prophetic event take place that was related or linked to the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, and also, listen, you know, some people say, well, where's, where's Rosh Hashanah? Where's the Feast of Trumpets in the New Testament? Every time you read about the trumpets, when you read about the end, the trumpet shall sound and the dead will rise. The trumpet shall sound and will be gathered back. The trumpet shall sound and the king will come. It's all there at yes. the end. So yeah, yeah. well, I was, it, this was two years before 9-11. Now, now remember, the trumpets are kind of saying warning. They're saying, get ready because you're going to meet God. Actually, it's called the day of judgment. So, so get ready. You got 10 days till, till you're going to stand before God for your sins. So it's a warning. The trump is a warning also of judgment. Well, I was, I, I was led here in New York City. I was led to go two years before 9-11 to the Statue of Liberty with believers. And we were there because we, there was a sense that a, a terrorist attack was coming to New York City in the spirit. And we were praying and praying that something was going to come. And I, I had the trumpet there and I sounded the trumpet. And I and, and I and I we blasted it, and they took a picture where the trumpet actually is mark is against the World Trade Center, marking the exact spot where it's all going to begin, and then we see a it's captured on film. We actually see a plane doing exactly going to the exact course to that tower. I mean, it's like a foreshadow. And the day that it all happened was the Feast of Trumpets, which is saying, "Get ready, get ready, because because judgment's coming, and get right with God." Yeah. Wow. Jonathan, I mean, and 9-11, obviously, in your ministry, yeah. and the Harbinger, yeah. Yeah. and the Harbinger oh, yeah. part two, you've, yeah. you've really talked about the prophetic Prophet signs. We are at, I agree with Jonathan. We are at a, we are at a prophetic times, and I believe this autumn is going to be very prophetic as well. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And speaking of this autumn, Yom Kippur again, yeah. before we move on, gentlemen, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that one more time, yeah. uh, how it's observed. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. A lot of 
uh, non-Jews like yeah. myself would yeah. say, well, Yom Kippur is a big deal. All my yeah. Jewish friends are gone all day. They're yeah. silent. That's solemn. What's going on? Yeah. Just so people know yeah. uh, a little bit more the, the well, solemn well, nature. Well, well, it's to be a day of fasting, you know, and humbling yourself because that's the day when you stood before God through the high priest. Now, now the thing is, uh, the thing is, uh, Eric, there has not been, and for 2,000 years, there's been no sacrifice. There's been no, there's been no atonement on the day of atonement. So we, we got a, a day without an atonement. We got a Yom without a Kippur, you know, yeah. and, be, and, and at the same moment, Guess who shows up at the same moment? The atonement Messiah. And then he everything about Yom Kippur changes. And an amazing thing is in the writings of the rabbis themselves, there is a in, in a book called Yoma in the Talmud, Yom Kippur, mm -hmm. it says that all of a sudden all these things started changing concerning Yom Kippur. And all of a sudden, the, the door of the temple, you know, like the veil, the, the New Testament is the veil. Well, it says the door would open by itself, like saying the way was open. Well, the rabbi said, when did that start happening? It said, he said about 40 years before the destruction of the temple. The temple was destroyed in 7 AD. They are pinpointing about 30 AD that everything changed with the atonement of God. And that's the exact time that Messiah the atonement came. I mean, yeah. that amazing. Yeah, it is amazing how it's all lining up, Jonathan. And Jonathan Burnus, um, Jonathan Kahn just touched on it a bit. What does, number one, two-part question, mm -hmm. Uh, what does Yom Kippur have to do with mm. end time prophecy? Jonathan Khan just touched on it a bit. Second que question for you as we move on a bit. Tell us about the next holy day, the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. And man, that has some deep biblical significance going back to the time of Moses. Well, it's a great question. The, the context of the entire book of Hebrews can only be understood when you look at Yom Kippur. When you understand Yom Kippur, uh, Jesus is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Everything that takes place is Yom, at Yom Kippur uh, as revealed in the book of Hebrews. So I really encourage everyone, read the book of Hebrews and go back to the context of Yom Kippur. There is a huge connection prophetically with, with Yom Kippur and the end of days. Uh, as Jonathan was saying, there's trump sounding throughout the New Testament in the book of Revelation. We, we have warnings, we have judgments, we have a calling away. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four talks about a final trump sounding and then those who, are, uh, who have died will be resurrected with Christ or those who are waiting will be caught up to meet him in the air rather. Uh, which is a very interesting reference, I believe, to Rosh Hashanah. But then uh, Romans chapter 11 talks about the blindness coming off of the eyes of the Jewish people. Chapter 25 says that uh, all, the day will come when all Israel shall be saved and then the Redeemer can come forth out of Zion. There's an incredible prophecy uh, that says that uh, the people of Israel will look upon him whom they have pierced and will mourn for him and will rec as they recognize that he is the promised Messiah and they will enter into a time of repentance and then they will cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai. That is a direct fulfillment of Yom Kippur, I believe, when the Jewish people recognize who Jesus is. He's Yeshua, the promised Messiah of Israel and Savior for the world. And when they cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as they recognize him, it says, then, this is Romans chapter 11, verses 25, 26, 27, 
the Redeemer will come forth out of Zion. And this, that he will establish his kingdom. He will gather the elect from the four corners of the earth. So I connect Yom Kippur to the national salvation, that final national salvation of Israel that Jewish believers like Jonathan and I have been waiting for and believing for and working for for over 30 years now. That's, that's what we're in this for. Yom Kippur fulfilled yeah. as the people of Israel recognize Yeshua. And why is this important to the church? Because it means Jesus is now coming back to this earth and establishing his kingdom. Yeah, Jonathan, I want to get into the Feast of Tabernacles in a second, but just want to ask you both, uh, as a Gentile follower of Jesus, uh, how should I observe a Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur? Do I do anything differently? Uh, how should we go about it as Gentiles well, we're who are free. grafted in? Yeah, we're free, you know, and we're not under the law, yes. but we are free also to partake of anything that is consistent with our faith, you know, and Messiah did. So it's a time, first of all, one thing you could do is pray during this time. Pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. Uh, the, you, the gospel came through through them to the, to the world. Pray that they would come back, because this is all about return. You notice something. On the Hebrew calendar, the Jewish people return. This is called the season of teshuva, the season, season of repentance or return. The return of the Jewish people on the Hebrew calendar comes not at the beginning of the year, at the end. So it means at the end of the age, the Jewish people are returning. That's why we're here. That's why we're like, a, maybe we're a first fruits, you know. But so pray for them to come back. Take time before the Lord. It's, you know, with you and God, is there anything that has to be cleansed? You know, listen, it's true every day, but there's a special time because this is, this represents your salvation in Messiah. So yeah, so take it, Lord, cleanse me. I want to be right with you. Take time with God. It's always good to pray and fast and confess our sins and get cleansed so you can be blessed. You know, the, the Hebrew holidays go, you take the trumpets, it's stop, get ready, it's stop. The second one is repent. You, you don't worry, repent. And the last one we'll get to is rejoice. So you want to rejoice, you got to stop first, repent, and then you'll rejoice. Yeah, it's almost like the gates of heaven are open yes, during this time of year. And repentance opens the blessings of God. Yeah, and I'm thinking of the book of Zechariah, gentlemen, as yeah. we sit here, it talks about a day that's coming when one Gentile will take the hem <laughs> of the robe of, of, of one Jew and say, let us come with you, or 10 Gentiles, I'm sorry, will take the hem of the robe of one yes. Jew and say, let us go with you because we hear that God is with you. So fun to be with you oh, here yeah. both talking about this. Hey, and you mentioned Jonathan Khan. Okay, Yom Kippur, obviously the Day of mm -hmm. Atonement, solemn. Then we follow it up a short time after with the final fall feast, yes. the Feast of Tabernacles, which it's yes. a celebration. Oh, I've yeah. been in Jerusalem during oh, yeah. that time. It is a celebration. Tell us about that. It's the greatest celebration of the Bible. It was called, it was called in Hebrew, Hechag, the celebration. It's seven days of celebrating. It says you'll dwell in tabernacles or booths or sukkos, sukkot. You'll dwell in there. You'll celebrate. They, they would dance. They would have the fire dance. They would, they would wave the branches. That's where you get Palm Sunday from. They would cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, while they wave branches. That, by the way, you also, not only does Palm Sunday come from this, also Hanukkah comes from, from this. It's eight days because of Feast of Tabernacles. And Thanksgiving comes from this. The Puritan said, let's have our own. So that's it. So this is such a big thing. And so it was celebrating with that and also a water pouring where they pray for rain and the spirit of God. And that's when Messiah said, he said, if anyone is thirsty, he said, in the middle of the feast, come to me and drink. Well, they're pouring out and praying for the spirit. And so it is, it is the big finish. You know, God always saves the best for last. Yeah. So it's a big finish. And when you look at end time prophecy, what do you have at the end? For a believer, you have a big finish. You've got a celebration. Victory. You've got joy. Yeah. Yeah. You have complete victory. Uh, victory in Yeshua. Jonathan Burnus, tell us about the feast, the very first Feast of Tabernacles. Tell us about the Feast of Tabernacles mm. in the Bible 
how it began and how it became such an important holiday uh, for the Jewish people and for all of us. Yeah, it is the final harvest of the year. So it's a time of great celebration. Uh, it began, of course, when the children of Israel were, were brought out of Egypt and we see the establishment of these of the cycle of life through the wilderness and then into the promised land. But uh, I, I wanna state how prophetic this is. This is the final wrap up. If the other feasts uh, in, the, in the biblical feasts connect not only to Jews, but to Christians, and they do, because Jesus is at the center, I would say that Sukkot of all of them is a worldwide celebration, Jew and Gentile together, equal inheritance, as, we, as God gathers together the elect from the four corners of the earth and establish his reign on the earth. So out of all of them, I mean, goodness, Passover is so relevant to Christians. Uh, uh, Shavuot, Pentecost, so relevant to Christians, but Sukkot is that final event, as Jonathan was saying. The Bible, in fact, specifically says that the nations, the Gentiles, will come to Jerusalem on Sukkot to worship the Lord. So you better get ready. Sukkot is gonna be a glorious yeah. celebration and you might as well get started now. Yeah, yeah. Build, build that tabernacle, build that yeah. booth, Jonathan. And as you mentioned, Jonathan, that's it's a day yet to come where all the nations will come and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, as you were both saying, it's such a joyous time. It's a big party. If you're yeah. in Jerusalem during that time, uh, there are, uh, Jonathan Berners, as you said, believers from the four corners of the earth come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And it's pretty cool yeah. to see people building booths. You'll go all around Israel and people on their porch or on their deck, they will build these booths and they'll even eat inside of them as a family and kind of hang out in there. It's a great thing to do. I mean, this is a fun yeah. thing to do. If you're not Jewish, you can do it and be blessed. The reason that we build the, the, the sukkah is to remind us of the transience of life. That life is frail. We're living in that sukkah for seven days. It's very simple. It's very portable. And the whole idea is we're reminded that when we were in, in Egypt, we were to move when the fire moved by night, when the pillar uh, of, uh, of the cloud moved by day. That's a great reminder for all of us, especially in the times we live, that we, this, life is, this life is transient. And now more than ever, we have to move when the Spirit of God says move. We, we, have, to go, we have to be directed by the Spirit of God we, can, we can't be tied down by the cares and riches of this world. And that's a great message of Sukkot, that these simple tabernacles, our life is very fragile. So go with God, be ready to move with God, and we're gonna be at the right place at the right time if we do that. Now, during this season, more than ever. And gentlemen, it fascinates me. Great point, Jonathan Burness. And gentlemen, it fascinates me how this is an unending string here for over 3,500 years yeah. since the time of the Exodus. Yeah. Still, Sukkot is being celebrated faithfully every single fall. That's amazing. And, and it looks forward to the great celebration at the end. And the thing is, that amazing thing, it, Sukkot joins together, the, the, you know, they are remembering the wilderness that God kept in the wilderness, but they're in their, they're in their home. They're in the promised land, yet they're camping out. It's like camping out in your backyard, yeah. which is a, a, a beautiful thing because it's, here's the mystery, because the promised land speaks about heaven. The wilderness speaks about this journey, you know, what we have right here. But it's kind of saying even a mystery here that when we get to heaven, we're going to be 
celebrating and giving thanks for what God did on our journey. We'll see it in a whole different way that God was with us and he was in our sukkah and he never left us and it all led us to the promised land. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and gentlemen, to have you now educating us, hey, again, as a Gentile Christian, a Gentile follower of Jesus growing up, I thought Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Tabernacles had no significance for me at all. But I really believe, gentlemen, in these prophetic times, for such yes. a time as this, God is kind of lifting the scales from our eyes as Gentiles yes. and showing us the Jewish roots of our faith and bringing the fall feast alive. It's amazing to see. This is the time. I mean, this is the time. We are in the days that link up with the fall feast. And the, the great king, harvest. The king is coming. Great, yeah, the end time harvest and the king is coming. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. Jonathan, I wanted to ask you, okay, we talked about the mm -hmm. Feast of Tabernacles being kind of the final wrap-up. It ends with a bang. Mm -hmm. But there is one final day, yes. uh, which Jonathan Kahn knows very well. So does Jonathan Burnus, of course. It's a mysterious day called Shemini. Am I pronouncing <laughs> yeah, pretty, it right? Pretty much. Shemini, Shemini. Atzeret. Atzeret. Yeah, people won't know about it. But if you look, it says, this, will, this is the mystery day. It's the last day. And, and, and it's a mystery day. It says, you'll, you'll celebrate for seventh day, seven days. Then it says, on the eighth day. Which says, wait, it says there's seven days, but then it says, on the eighth day. Well, on the eighth day, the thing, the, what's eight about? I mean, it, by the way, the Bible doesn't say much about it. It just says, you're going to do something. It's a mystery day. You have seven. What's the, the number of seven is the number of completion. Yes. So what's eight? Eight is what happens after the end. You know, seven is the end, but eight is what happens after the end. Shemini etc., or means the gathering of the eighth day, is the day when they roll up the scrolls, the old scrolls, and they open up the new scroll. And, and it's also the day you take down the sukkah. Now, what is this all about? Well, if you read the end of Revelation, what happens? You, got, you know, the Lord's going to celebrate. We're going to have a celebration on earth for a thousand years. And then at the end, it says God rolled up everything like, the, like a scroll, the heavens, the old, and a new heaven. And a new, so it's, it's eternity. The, the last feast or the last celebration of the Hebrew is eternity. It's infinity. It goes on forever. And that's the day, it's a, that's the day when the scroll that's closed is Moses looking over the promised land. It's like at the end of this life, you know, yeah. it's like it's going to wrap it up. And then what they open up is Joshua crossing the river to enter in. We're going to cross the river to eternal life. And then, then they also open up a third scroll which is Genesis, a new beginning when I shall be, uh, uh, God creates the heaven and earth. The end of Revelation is he creates a new heaven, a new earth, and we will be with him forever. Our, the old tabernacles are going to be taken down and we're not going to be in tabernacles. We're going to be home. It's going to be forever. So this is an awesome mystery, but it all ends with forever with God. Yeah. Amen. And Hey, gentlemen, I know you were both raised long ago in not too, lo not <laughs> not too long ago, not too long ago. In secular Jewish households, when you were younger, uh, before you came to faith in Yeshua, I'm just curious, for me, this is an explosion for me of, wow, I'm learning all this now about the fall feast, the relevance as a follower of Jesus. For you, uh, interesting question here, I guess. Okay, when you were young, it had a certain connotation, I guess. But for both of you, I'd imagine when you came to faith in Yeshua, it must have just been uh, an explosion for you in, in an even deeper sense as Jewish believers. Yeah, absolutely. It's never stopped because, you know, before it was different pieces, but there's, it has never mattered so much to be Jewish as when you have Messiah. And when, and when you don't, when you're not, you're not born Jewish, you become spiritually Jewish. So we're all together. But yeah, now when, you know, it's like life without Jesus, it just, it's all these pieces. But when Messiah comes into your life, everything, wow, this makes sense. This makes sense. The problem. And now, it, I mean, it's, there's no comparison. There's just no, he's the one who makes sense of everything. Yeah. And Jonathan Burnus, how will you and your, your family and your ministry, Jewish 
uh, Jewish Voice International. How will you observe these holidays coming up? An exciting time for you, your family, and your entire ministry, and what you're doing, the great work you're doing around the world. We love these celebrations. We, we foster these celebrations in all the places we're working. An amazing thing is to see lost tribes in places like Africa observing uh, Yom Kippur fasting and then breaking the fast together and preparing for Sukkot. Uh, people that haven't observed these things for 2,000 years, and they are historically the people of Israel, seeing Ethiopian Jews do this, uh, never understanding it before. It is incredible. Uh, it's life transforming, and it will be life transforming for Christians because this, again, this is God's calendar. This is God's timetable. And as Jonathan said, on that eighth day, it, it, it's a whole new thing. So this is the, the prophetic picture of God's timeline for the redemption of mankind. So this is a big, big deal. The more you understand it, the more you peel away the layers, the more exciting it gets, the more revelation you that you, you experience. Yeah, Jonathan, again, too, it's just in hearing you speak about the Ethiopian Jews, who I see in Israel all the time, a, a great population there in Israel. Again, it's that unending chain. The Ethiopian Jews were in Africa for thousands of years, yet they kept the traditions of their fathers. It's amazing. Yeah. For thousands it of years, amazing. an unbroken string. It's really amazing it's to see how it plays out. So we're it, it's a total God thing. His hand is all over it, and we're excited about the fall feast. And we're excited... Believe it or not, some people might say excited, I'm frightened about the times we are living in right now. Yes, they are perilous times, but these are Bible times, ladies and gentlemen, and Israel is at the center of it. Jonathan yeah. Khan, I know we're gonna talk about the prophetic happenings yeah. uh, right now. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Israel right now in terms mm -hmm. of the timetable, so much going on. We're hearing about peace treaties yeah. with oh, yeah. the Sunni Arab nations. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Israel, some exciting yeah. times, the, the prophetic chess pieces moving on the board, right? Yeah, well, it, well, listen, where were all these feasts celebrated? Uh, in Israel. I mean, that's the center. So Israel, and, and, and you celebrate it when, the, when you know, the Jewish people had to gather back to celebrate it. So the fact that Israel is back in the world is a sign that these feasts are coming. And the fact is they have to, you know, every time they gather, they're there for an appointed time. They're, they have a meeting. You know, God called all these things the Moedim. That means the appointed time or the appointed meeting. They were going to meet with God. Well, Israel has come back because they have an appointed meeting with Messiah. And so what? And they've come back to, they couldn't just come back to Israel. They had to come back to Jerusalem. So because that's where the, that's where the feasts are. So they're coming back because someone else is coming back and his feet are going to stand on the Mount of Olives. And that's what it's, that's the end game of all these things. So yes, I believe these are prophetic times. I believe there's maybe a reason why we're doing this beyond what we're thinking, because I believe also September, uh, the autumn is going to be a very critical time uh, in the world and for America as well. Hey, Jonathan Burnus, uh, you are in Israel frequently. None of us obviously have been able to go Not recently, yet. but God willing, we will be back very soon. What are some of the prophetic signals you see right now? We're talking about, obviously, our nation, the United States right now, the struggles we're having and the hope for repentance. Uh, but in terms of Israel, what are some of the signs you see right now? I mentioned, obviously, the, the talk of peace deals with the Sunni Arab nations. What are some of the other signs you see uh, unfolding in Israel right now that lead us to think, hey, the Messiah might be at the door? Absolutely. Well, direct sign of the last days. Uh, that's repeated over and over again is the messianic expectation in Israel building up to the people of Israel, the leadership of Israel, Jerusalem specifically, the heads of the government 
uh, crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, we knew there was going to be a shakeup, a world shakeup. Uh, it's just startling when it comes, but the Bible's clear. Uh, I think that will lead to uh, a growing number of Jewish people returning to the land of Israel, being regathered back to the land of Israel. That's a prophetic sign. It's happening now, actually, with American Jews that are being told by the head rabbis in America, finish your work in the States and go back to Israel. So a physical return back to the land, we're seeing this mass exodus uh, out of places like the former Soviet Union, uh, now Ethiopia, uh, South America. That's a direct sign of the last days. And then of course, the spiritual restoration. When you cry out to me, uh, I will hear from heaven. That of course, it speaks not only of the, of the, of the followers of Yeshua, the, the church, but it's also true of Israel. We're told in places uh, throughout scripture, uh, the prophets, uh, the book of Exodus, uh, Isaiah 11, 11, I will gather the outcasts of Israel. And then when you call upon me, I will hear. So a spiritual re regathering to the Messiah, Jesus. And Jewish people in Israel in particular, as well as uh, the other places they've been scattered to the earth, are opening up to the gospel now more than ever before. And thousands and thousands of Jewish people are discovering Jesus as their Messiah. Their eyes are being opened. The blindness is coming off of their eyes. Romans 11 says there's a blindness in part until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. That's directly connected to the last days. It's being fulfilled before our very eyes. Jesus is coming back soon, and I'm excited. Yeah, it's being fulfilled as we speak, Jonathan, in real time as we are having this conversation. Hey, by the way, your great ministry, Jewish Voice, you are very involved in the Aliyah efforts, uh, bringing the Jewish people, the ingathering of the exiles back to their ancient and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel. One of the reasons, gentlemen, that they are coming back is, it's an unfortunate reason in a sense, it's the rise of anti-Semitism globally. Now, very interesting, on, on one hand, we have Gentile Christians like myself embracing the Jewish people, embracing our Jewish roots, the fall feast like we're talking about today. But on the other hand, we have people who are turning viciously against the Jewish people. Mm. Jonathan, tell us how this yeah. global rise in yeah. anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, anti-Israel sentiment, how is that another sign, a sign or, or a harbinger, yeah, no pun yeah. intended? Yeah, well, on one hand, you know, we've always had this satanic anti-Semitism because as long as you have the devil, the enemy, you're going to have it. But at the same time, it seems in the end times, it, it, it increases. Because one of the things people, you know, what happens in the end times is the, the dark gets darker. You know, but, but that doesn't mean it's just darkness. Light gets lighter. you got Israel on the other hand. So, so what's happening, there's a, there, on one hand, this is the greatest time, of, well, this is the worst time of persecution of believers in, in the entire church age. At the same time, there's all this, this mass hatred of Israel and the Jewish people. Well, that's going to lead to, really, Jewish people coming back to Israel. That's how it happened, you know, the beginning. So God works through it all, and then it says all nations are going to come against Israel, so Messiah comes. So that's all part of the mystery you know, with it, but it's, it's the dark gets darker, 
the lights have to get brighter. So at the same time you see all this hatred, demonic hatred, you also see believers in the church loving Israel more than any time in history. You have Jew and Gentile together as never before since the, since the book of Acts. So you got both happening. You know, it's like it's all coming back to the beginning, you know, where you got the, the, the evil and you have, you have a, almost you have a, a pagan a world culture. You have an anti-Christian world culture. But then you have God raising up radical believers who love Israel, who love God, who are in the spirit, just like the beginning. So that's a good sign. I mean, so it's both. It's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, I mean, 40 or 50 years ago, gentlemen, I don't know that we'd even be no. sitting here having this no. conversation. No. Gentile believer, no. Jewish believer, uh, having no. a conversation about the significance of the fall feast for Gentiles. Yeah. It's a sign. We're a sign. Yes. We're a harbinger. It is. Yes. A, hopefully a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking, unfortunately, of a, of a not so good one, Jonathan Burnus, I want to go to you real quick. Okay, I'm sitting here with two of the foremost prophetic voices of our times. So a lot of people watching are saying, hey, we're talking about prophecy. Mm. We're talking about the times we are in. Mm. What about COVID-19? That's mm. on the tip of everyone's tongue right now, the global pandemic. I'll start with you. I want to get both of your takes on this. I know you've talked about it, both of you. But Jonathan Burnus, what's your take on COVID-19? And does it have any prophetic significance in terms of the times we are living in right now? Well, certainly that we're living in the last days, but is this a direct plague? Uh, is this the beginning of the outpouring of judgment? I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I will say this, what I am sure about is that this is a wake up call to America and to the world that uh, we need to, to uh, really take seriously uh, where our lives are headed. And I'm seeing accompanying this a new openness to consider what else is there to life. There must be something more. Wealthy people that uh, were uh, felt very stable and secure no longer feel safe and secure. And that leads to the question, what else is there to consider? Why am I here? What's going to happen to me after I die? What does all this mean? And at the very least, this is certainly a wake-up call, and we need to get our house in order. We need to grow closer to the Lord, and we need to be prepared for things that may be, and I'm not saying this prophetically, but I think the scriptures are pretty clear, things that may be far worse than COVID-19. Uh, the good news, as Jonathan yeah. said, as the darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter, and we get to be part of that bright light shining. Uh, we're going to get brighter and yeah, brighter. And we, so we've got to be about the Father's yeah. business and quickly. Jesus said it. He said, night will come when no man can work. COVID may be the beginning of that warning. We know that God will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Uh, Jonathan Kahn, look, we're in this difficult mm. season here of COVID-19. How can believers as distressing as it is, how can believers, and Jonathan Burns just pointed to this, how can we actually utilize it to our benefit, our spiritual benefit? Yeah, yeah, I believe there there is much to this that is happening right now, and I know we'll talk about it on another thing. That's why I've, I was led this year to write The Harbinger 2, because I believe it was gonna resume, and actually before the year came, I was a strong sense that I told people, I said it publicly, that this year being a year of shaking, of great shaking, yeah. and that it was gonna be linked to the progression that we're in right now, and that God is, I agree with Jonathan, that God is using it for those who will come back and those who will turn. We don't, most of us don't come to God when everything's fine. We can come to God and we 
think still come closer to God when things are not. Yeah. So this is a chance as never before. You know, people say, I don't have time, I can't pray, I don't have it. Well, you got all you got a lot of time now. You know, a yeah. lot of distractions are away. We have to be the lights now. You know, when when I believe I don't believe the shaking's over. I believe there's gonna be more shaking coming. Um, but I believe when as that happens, we have to be there as the lights. When he when he looks at the people who are who are plugged into God, you know, this is the time when things are shaking, you gotta be all the more plugged in, all the more steadfast to what will is immovable. That means to get closer to God in prayer, in 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 his presence, pray for revival. Don't just but don't just pray for revival, start living in revival. Yeah. And then when this happens, I believe pe people are gonna be looking for the light. They're gonna be looking for those who, and if you stand with God strong, you're gonna be that light. You know, God says, arise and shine, your light has come. It says, yeah. darkness covers the nations, but the Lord will shine upon you. That's for this hour. Yeah, it is, and I think, Jonathan, what you're saying is that we need to put our faith into action, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, we're, we're being a light here on, on national TV, but in your church, your community, your workplace, you can show the light of Jesus in a time, as you said, Jonathan, where it is sorely, sorely needed, yeah. as this all intensifies yes. beyond just COVID, yes. as you said, believe, more shaking coming, believe, yeah. there's gonna be a desperation for yeah. people. I believe that, I believe that, I believe, you know, you know, it says God speaks in, you know, in our, in our joys, but he shouts in our pain. And America has grown so deafened to God's voice, yeah. I mean, you know, that it, nothing else worked. So, but now when they're shaking, that's when there are gonna be those who are gonna turn back. And remember, well, I know we'll talk about it, but remember, you know, what, what the Harbinger is saying is that's an initial warning for a nation, yeah. the initial, but then it's followed by this, what's happening right now. Yeah. And so, but this is God's mercy. You know, C.S. Lewis said severe mercy, but that he allows it that we might come because nothing else, nothing else would get our attention. But I believe, again, this is a critical hour, biblical hour, uh, yeah. important hour, pivotal hour, amazing hour, but this could be our greatest hour if we will rise as never before to live the calling God has given us, like the apostles, yeah. this is our hour. Yeah, we're excited about the return again on September 26th. Yes, yes. Jonathan Burnus, uh, we have this shaking going on in our nation right now in the United States of America, obviously COVID, racial strife. How can we break through and be ambassadors for Christ and share that light? It seems tough. Uh, maybe our voices, in some cases, our voice, we feel like our voice won't matter. It's getting drowned out. How can we break through and be ambassadors for Christ right now here in America. Eric, I'm so glad you asked that question. I was hoping you would, because to be honest, when all of this broke out, uh, COVID-19, and when it first broke out, uh, and then around Passover to, uh, to Pentecost, uh, I was really uh, fired up about uh, people not being caught up in fear and, and uh, and depression, but really trusting the Lord, not spending as much time watching the news, but staying within the good news, getting the good news into our heart that God is, is watching over us. He won't let harm befall us. But then when the class wars broke out and the polarization, the deep political polarization, and watching cities just being destroyed before my very eyes, I began to ask God, what do I have to say after George Floyd? Lord, what do I say? I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't, I, I don't want to be silent. And, and here's what I want to encourage people. We have the words of life. We do have the solution. You may be thinking, I have nothing to say in all this. I, I, I don't mean anything. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't have a purpose, but you do because you have the words of life the words of eternal life, and now more than ever, people need the words of eternal life. 
Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And in the midst of chaos, there is a light shining through that God's on the throne, that everything is under control, that we are going to come out of this if we'll just trust in him, and that people now, through us, can find the way to eternal and abundant life. Let's never forget that. We have the answer in the midst of crisis. The answer. Yeah. Yeah, yes, we do. And gentlemen, I think it's so important during this time that we walk, we walk blamelessly in his sight. We're not going to be perfect. We're all going to fall. But that we live out our faith, that we walk the walk, so to speak. So people say, hey, something is different about him or her. And I want some of that in my life. Right now, we really, truly need that. A lot of people are hurting. Uh, Jonathan Kahn, as you look out at the landscape, we just have a short time left before we wrap up here. We need to do it again. Mm -hmm. Fascinating, fascinating discussion. And there's yes. so much more to unpack. Oh, yes. Hey, maybe yes. next time we'll talk more about Passover, mm -hmm. Pentecost, and all of that and the relevance mm -hmm. there. But moving into this season, mm -hmm. continuing in the season mm -hmm. of shaking, uh, as you look forward, 2021 and beyond, Seems like things might only get a bit more intense. <laughs> I, I believe that. You know, we, we are, and we are on top of it all. I mean, we are heading to an election that is incredibly uh, pivotal, critical. The nation is so divided. You know, yeah. when I look back, when I look back at, at the first book, when we, which is The Harbinger, is a chapter called Things to Come. And when I looked at it, it talks about the shakings, and it talks about, talks about the division of the nation, talks about disorder, talks about the breakdown of infrastructure, talks about economic, all those things, and we're in that right now. Um, so, but, but the thing is that this is, as Jonathan said, this is an opportunity. Um, I, you know, this we all talk about. You know, we talk about the end. You know, we talk about the end times. But we, we're, we're, then, when it, then when it hits us, like we're like, oh, whoa, whoa, what are we going to do? What are we going to yeah. do? You know, we talk. You know, I grew up when I first came to the Lord. It's like the end times. End, but now when we see persecution, now when we see things happening, now it's like, whoa, what do we do? Yeah. Well, this is what we were born again for. You know, yes. as we are here for this hour. You know, we're on earth. We're on earth to survive. We're on earth to be a light. We're on earth to get the gospel out. We're on earth to give glory to Messiah. That's why we're here. And if we we take Take that attitude, it doesn't matter. You know, and we people are praying, I wish I could live in biblical times. I wish I could live in biblical times. Congratulations, because you're in biblical times. These are the days like Jeremiah lived in, like Paul lived in, like all, and, and so this is our hour. For those who will rise, this will be the time of greatness. Yeah. For those who will stand as you uncompromised, we're not gonna bow down anymore. We're not gonna let this be a, a dividing in the sand. Like, I'm not gonna play around with that anymore. I'm gonna live all out for you, Lord and you will fulfill the calling for which God put you in your mother's womb for such a time as this. Yes, we were born for this. Born and born again, both. Yes, yes. at this moment yes. in history. Yes. Jonathan Kahn, we have to go. Jonathan Kahn, thank you so much. Jonathan Burnus in Arizona, Jewish Voice. Thank you so much, my friend. Great having you with us. And to all of you watching, Great being hey, with you. the fall feast are coming. God bless you. Now you know a lot more about them. And from praise, we'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.